0: You found the Diggin Oak Island podcast, the podcaster's journey to discover the truth behind the Oak Island mystery. I'm Dave McBride. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. If you've been listening to and enjoying our little podcast, please help out the show by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Oak Island to learn more. Let's start off the podcast first by welcoming our new patrons for this week, Mark and Claude. Thank you guys so, so much for your help and for your generosity. And don't forget, every week you can come and join us during the uh, U.S. broadcast of each new episode for a little kind of live discussion over there on Patreon.com slash Oak Island. And uh, and I told you this last week also, patrons, um, let me remind you that we are going to have a contest for you guys in the coming weeks. I recently received sort of an extra copy of this really cool new book called Oak Island Illustrated, The 225-Year Search for Truth and Treasure by uh, historian John Bell. It's a really well-done book. It's beautiful, really. And it talks about the history of Oak Island and focuses a lot, mostly, on the many theories surrounding the Oak Island mystery. So it's a great little sort of reference item for sure. I'll have more in the contest for you guys soon, Uh, so stay tuned, patrons, for that information. Now, speaking of Mark and Claude, uh, they actually both sent in questions for me over the Patreon this week. So let's start off our listener question segment this week with those two messages. Uh, The first being from Claude, who writes... Thanks, Dave, for all your work on this podcast. Love listening to your podcast and look forward to it and your perspective even more than I do the show. As of late, uh, I've heard you're gonna this, folks. This is going to start to be a theme here in the uh, writings in the um, comment section, listener question section here. But anyway, he continues. I've had a hard time lately with the show, but yet try to be optimistic. Just try, just tired of some of the show antics. For instance, why for so long were they persistent in calling the Stone Road a road? and saying that it must run towards the money pit When from the sky view we saw it clearly looked like it ended and now they're referring to it as a ship wharf which it always appeared to be to me Uh, and all these findings that they take to carmen and get these astronomical dates from i'm not doubting his knowledge but why not verify with carbon dating or something and flood tunnels have we ever really found them and shut them off how is every nail every ox shoe every scrap metal etc a clue Every piece of wood part of a ship we already determined was not a ship. A button, not just a button. I could go on and on. I do believe something of historical value did happen on Oak Island. I'm not sure what it was, and I enjoy your take on things. Thanks again, Claude. Claude, for the most part, the answer to your question is honestly. Because that is what the producers think will make for the most compelling show narrative possible. Right? That's kind of a cynical answer, but that's really the answer. What I've learned from watching shows like this, and not just The Curse of Oak Island, but other similar quote unquote reality shows or reality, you know, documentaries type shows, is that the producers of such shows look at each episode as really another chance for a first time viewer to tune in and be hooked on the narrative. So every show needs to have. Something that's uh, mysterious or something that's compelling enough to get this viewer to come back. Even if what they really find in that particular episode turns out to be neither mysterious nor compelling. I think I've learned to live with that fact over the years. Um, and just focus on the more important fact for me that we're actually getting to see the Oak Island treasure hunt in amazing detail. Right? I mean, take that stuff away and we are getting to see something um that we've never got to see before people who were aware of and intrigued by the oak island mystery so that's my advice to you claude remember that for centuries this most mysterious and compelling of treasure hunts was really largely done behind closed doors and now we get to see more and more of it than ever before i hope that helps you keep your face faith and your interest a little bit i i the other thing i would say is I do my best not to let the show and its sort of foibles um kind of interrupt my thinking towards the mystery right um just because they pick up a swagger stick that ends up being a lipstick cover and we don't get to see about that stuff and we don't and and they're they're not completely honest about that doesn't mean that I think there's no treasure or there's no mystery behind Oak Island and I can't let the two com- cloud each other. It's difficult to do that sometimes, but you got to take the good with the bad. As far as the flood tunnels go, yes, there are some who claim they have found them and many who've tried and tried to block them and stop the flooding, but to no avail. It's it's the, the, the early accounts of what they found in Smith's Cove is some of the most amazing stuff really ever documented in this in this hunt for sure now it might be important to note that laginas over their time have not really tried to find or stop the flood tunnels i mean at least they haven't given a serious try and they have this every once in a while they talk about it and they poke around at it right i'm not sure what that says that they haven't done this but it must say something right the question of whether there really is a booby trap flooding system is one that is somewhat up for debate a lot more than the show likes to make you think Anyway, thank you, Claude, again for your questions and, uh, of course, for supporting the show. Please come and join us again next week on the, uh, on the Patreon for the, for the live discussion. Okay, I'm going to stick on Patreon. Let's hear from Mark who writes, Dave, happy to become a supporter. Uh, you do a marvelous job. Thank you, sir. I have reached a tipping point regarding the show. I told you there's a theme here. As someone who recalls exactly where he was, a seventh grader sitting in my grandmother's living room. When I read the Reader's Digest article when it was first published, I have been fascinated by the mystery for over 50 years. I've watched The Curse of Oak Island since the initial episode, and for years I reserved Tuesday nights to devote to it. Yet in the past seasons, it has become so repetitious and boring, uh, Terry with another core that has some wood in it, another cribbing spike, another cartwheel strap, etc. All things that make total sense being found on an island that has been inhabited and torn up for hundreds of years. I can only imagine that they find scores, if not hundreds, of such bits every season. A few th- and, and they do right. Didn't uh, Laird say in this episode something about two thousand finds? He said that in one of the uh, in the drilling down episode from last week, right? Um, two thousand finds. We certainly didn't see that. Uh, a few things he continues. A few things are interesting: The stone road, the apparent gold in the water, the age of some of the wood they find. But overall, I'm running on fumes for the search and the show. Fact is, I now listen to your show before watching so I can speed through the episode. Plus, I enjoy your show more than the TV program. I don't expect any more that there is a treasure there, and I'm okay with that. But false drama and silly speculations are wearing me down. Okay, first of all, I find it amazing that both the patrons who've written in this week, the people who one would assume are the most devoted, not only to this podcast, but would also be the biggest fans of not only the show, but huge fans of the Oak Island mystery, right? And both of these gentlemen are losing faith in the curse of Oak Island. And what I would say to both of you before I even get into this, right, is that don't lose faith in the mystery and the intriguing part of the history of all this. The show, you can lose all the faith you want. I don't care about that. But don't let the show color your view of the history. Take the show's nonsense away and look at these finds for what they are and if it, if you decide it's not compelling if refined is not isn't doesn't doesn't comply it does it doesn't it doesn't apply to the search then just toss it away and forget you even saw it because it, it's unnecessary right I mean you're becoming with this. A treasure hunter, just like those, have been here for ages and ages, right? Who have found these little things and have had to spend days trying to figure out what they are, only to just have to toss them away, right? I mean, this is something that treasure hunters do all the time. We're seeing it in real time. It's frustrating us. It's frustrating them as well. Problem is, we don't get to see the frustration. Maybe if we did get to see a little more of that, we we feel a little differently, right? And and I get it, guys. You're not alone. I think I've said this before, but it is what I call television fatigue, right? It's almost like we're now seeing too much Oak Island in an effort to make as many episodes as possible and therefore maximize their advertising revenue, which let's face it, makes all the sense in the world and is exactly what they're all there for. They've made a lot of episodes of the show. And when you look at what they find, if they're not going to show us If they're not going to really go into detail in some of these things that turn out to be nothing and make that part of the narrative that they're finding things, you know, that the frustration behind finding things that don't turn out to apply to the mystery, if they're not going to make that the narrative, then it all just sort of seems, frankly, it seems a little dishonest, but it also seems like we could probably do a season that's half as many episodes as we're getting now, right? Right. And I think over the last couple of seasons, it started to wear on a lot of viewers, more than just a little bit, because they spend too much time on mundane stuff, or at least what looks like mundane stuff, right? Last year, I, talked, I chalked it up to COVID, and I did think they made a big mistake last season when they tried to make a full-size season without really the same amount of footage or work being done. I think they made a mistake, and I think that for a lot of the longtime listeners, last season really grinded on them, and now it's kind of permeating over into this season but this year certainly at the money pit and at lot four we seem to be getting sort of the same scenes week after week right I mean this week was the first different one but for a long time there it was the same stuff as people are saying uh an shoe here or you know a core with some wood in it there I still love it though I love the show I have to say that but I get what people are like I get why people might be losing interest My wife, I've said this to you many times before, guys, my wife barely makes it through half an episode anymore for the exact same reason. She just gets up and walks away. I can't look at another piece of old wood and not hear anything more about it. Gentlemen, again, I can't thank you enough uh, for your support on Patreon. It does mean the world to me and to everybody in my family here. Hope to hear from you guys again. Um, Let's go to another viewer in despair. Peter from My Neck of the Woods, he actually sent in two emails this week. So let's do the first one here, and then I'll throw in the second one. Uh, Peter writes, seriously, I'm losing interest. Twisted bits of metal, carved chunks of wood next week. Oh, my God, they strike water. It all feels like filler and misdirected effort. They're not even properly screening the swamp muck for wood. They should dump it on some grill or screen with big holes to catch more stuff. Not that ship parts there mean it was a treasure ship, and that hatch search in the wrong place is yielding next to nothing, but do they move on? Nope. They act excited. Idea. Couldn't they test the borehole water for human DNA? Remember the bones they found. I guess DNA probably doesn't last that long. Anyway, they probably don't want to find more evidence of remains. That could get the money pit area shut down. Look at his split-as-possible burial site or crime scene. If they actually found a lot of stuff in 2021, wouldn't they need weeks to detail the findings and the finds? This feels like being offered more and more soup and salad because the roast got burned or there was never an entree in the first place. Great metaphor. He then follows up with another email later in the week that said, Dave, another way to view mystery solved is that it just means money pit located. He's referring to what the producer said last week in the Drilling Down episode that they're bringing in new technology to solve the mystery this year. In a preseason Maddie Blake show, they talked about using Muon detectors to kind of do an MRI of the whole Money Pit area. It's like taking 3D pictures using cosmic rays. When used at the Great Pyramid, a previously unknown chamber was discovered. This wouldn't necessarily mean the end of the show unless it clearly shows all vaults are empty, which sounds like an unlikely degree of detail. So the show would probably go on with a major dig to get to whatever vault they detect. Wonder if they could also resolve the question of a sunken ship in the swamp of which there is none. Anyway, have others written to you about this? Probably have, if not, might be fun to find out more. Peter from South Jersey. Well, Peter, you definitely reminded me of that Muon thing, which they made a very big deal about during the uh, preseason show that you referenced there. Um, That is probably in some way what we were seeing in that um, scene with the producer. Again, again, Go back and watch that drilling down episode from last week. What I will say to you, folks, again, is the uh, the as they're putting it in, as they're doing this technology, setting it up. The showrunner says it is going to solve the mystery. Solve it. There's no ambiguity there. It's not going to, in my mind, finding the money pit and seeing a vault that you have to look into isn't solving the mystery. It's maybe answering some questions. It's giving you a place to look, but he says solve it. This might be part of the reason why you guys are getting some fatigue. Anyway, Peter from South Jersey, thank you so much again. I, at the end of your first email, you had a great metaphor in there that I really liked—the thing about the soup and the salad and the no entree. Really nice, well written. I guess the only thing I can say here is that most of the season now seems to hinge on these big cans coming on coming in later on, right? Uh, in your first email you seem like you're looking for a reason to keep on keep it on but i think you have the reason to keep watching right in your emails right i mean the producer said last week like i said they're going to solve the mystery with some new technology they brought on to brought on the island this summer and you could be right about what that is about the muon stuff and and what that means but either way at least in my mind that's something to look forward to right that and the cans there is there is a lot it seems like there's more work being done in the second half of this season than there was in the first. I mean, again, according to the showrunner, the mystery will be solved. So hang in there, mate. Uh, I think the season will end strong. I really do. And if it ends without the mystery solved, I mean, I really hope they don't put those producers on the air anymore because that would be really ridiculous to come on there and say that and then not solve the mystery. Um, something like that again is kind of the reason as part of a big part of the reason I think that, that we're getting so many emails this week about people just being fatigued by the show. All right, speaking of comments from the producers, another friend, Mark, writes, um, and he has something to add on this morning, Dave. uh, Hopefully the comment from the producers about this technology that'll solve the mystery is nothing more than them trying to keep us watching. I would like another season, please. That said, there was another Drilling Down episode last Tuesday called Preserving the Hunt. Did you see it? Maddie Blake sort of asked the Laginas if there was a finale in sight regarding the treasure hunt. It was an interesting little teeny tiny bit of information in which one might read the show hunt is coming to an end. I hope not. Uh, During the end of the crackpot session, you can see Laird making, this was from last week's show, you can see Laird making some faces in the background while Doug is talking, almost as if he wanted to interject with something. What do you make of that? I've attached some eye candy for you. Not a picture of me. (laughs) This is a wooden survey stake as in use, uh, around the mid 19th century here in Canada by uh, dominion land surveyors. It's been in display cabinet here in my office for, for forever. Nice uh, reference to compare with what they are finding in the swamp. Tom for now, Mark in Calgary, Mark, you are correct. I did not discuss the drilling down episode last week. Truth be told, I was really swamped last week with other stuff. Um, And I actually didn't even get a chance to watch it until after I produced last week's podcast. I mean, I got home probably about, um, you know, 20 minutes before the show started and just enough time to get my notebook and get myself ready and start the Patreon conversation and stuff like that just to turn it on. I went back and watched it later. Um, I really kind of skimmed over it and I took a chance that this would pretty much be another Matty Blake show that would be certainly fun to watch. But not really have much of substance really to to talk about here on on a on a podcast, um, and that's pretty much what we got. <laughs> I'll talk about it more of that drilling down in just a second. Uh, but like you say here, Mark, it ended with a question from Maddie to the brothers, where he asked them if they felt like they were trending towards a finale to all this. And Mark, yeah, they did indicate that they were indeed trending in that direction. But at the same time, I thought it was even more fascinating. When Rick said something like, um, he was asked specifically if about leaving the island with no regrets, which is something he says. And Maddie asked, "Well, do do you think you're trending towards being able to leave the island with no regrets?" And Rick answers that that's something that's a ways off yet. That's that that kind of indicates that you know maybe the mystery isn't solved. Um, again, strange <laughs> when you consider very last week drilling down episode, we heard the mystery's going to be solved, and now. This week, Rick is talking about being very far off, being able to leave the island without any regrets. Um, It's a very different approach between those two episodes. Okay, about that Drilling Down episode from uh, last week. Let's just mention a bit more about it here. It was chock full of history. Um, It showed us a real good look at the Women's Memorial Rock Garden um that's over by the money pit that that Rick built. I get asked about that all the time because it's like the only feature that's there in the money pit. The rest is just sort of cleared land. Um there was also a really nice segment about the Restall family and and I also um there was also one about the Nolan Blankenship feud uh, that really kind of served as a reminder that Dave Blankenship essentially left the show, right? I was kind of half expecting to see him make a cameo here in this scene, uh, but no, no, Dave. He really, I guess, really wants nothing more to do with the show. But if I'm going to be entirely honest, (laughs) the show did kind of feel to me, this Drilling Down episode did kind of feel to me like it had a bit of an agenda. I mean, the entire thing was all about how the team is working tirelessly to preserve the geography and scenery of Oak Island, how devoted they are to leaving the island in better shape than when they found it, how committed they are to being the best steward uh, that any at the island has ever had, or for better than any treasure hunter before them. Now, I'll admit I'm, I'm a cynic. I, I get that. Um, not as not as much as some people who, uh, who watch the show, but I am a bit of a cynic. Um, and maybe they were being totally honest about all this. And I think there's a good chance that they were to some degree. Certainly that Rick is right. But man, oh, man. When you watch that whole thing, it really looked like a 45-minute infomercial made for a specific audience, right? The leadership of the Nova Scotia Department of Communities, Culture, and Heritage. Now, in their defense, they have talked about these things before, um, about being good stewards of the island. They've never devoted an entire show to it, but they have talked about it before. But this was certainly shot after their government encounters. So if it was a coincidence, it was a heck of a coincidence. Uh, anyway, if you didn't watch it, you can still watch that drilling down online. Um, it, like I said, it is really worth watching. It's got some great historical stuff in there and some nice talks with with the Nolans and about the Restalls and stuff. Real cool. Anyway, with regards to Laird and that crackpot session with Doug, uh, I, what, I have said this a lot, but I think it applies especially here too. And even though Doug is not a crackpot and is a member of the team, it was shot as sort of one of these crackpot sessions. And if I've learned anything from talking to people who've been involved in scenes just like this. It is that these discussions go on for a long time, hours sometimes, these presentations, and then we get maybe three to four minutes of it on the show, if we're lucky. So I think we can just assume that Laird had a lot more to say than we ever got to see. And even though he only got in a line or two, I, I got to hand it to him. They were pretty good lines, right? I mean, he said something like, we know the Portuguese were here. We know this. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't unusual. They were here fishing for centuries. So even with that one little line, he kind of poked a whole hu- huge hole in, the, in any sort of mysterious angle that they were trying to present about a Portuguese presence in Mahome Bay. I, I pray for a director's cut of this show someday, but I think that prayer will no doubt go unanswered. And I'm going to post that uh, photo of the uh, survey stake that uh, Mark talked about for you uh, guys to, watch, to, go, to, to gander at on the Facebook page. Um, it does look like a lot of things we see come out of the swamp. Anyway, thanks as always, Mark. All right, that's all for this week's questions. Uh, if you have any questions or comments you would like discussed on a future podcast, please, please send them to Oak island at gmail.com. It's time now to talk about Season 9, Episode 10 of the Curse of Oak Island called Chamber of Secrets. Now, most of our time is going to be spent in the Money Pit. Um, but let's take a couple of quick stops here before we get to the Money Pit, which was really the bulk of the show. Uh, we'll begin with Lot 32. This is on the southern side of the island. It's kind of just below the swamp. Um, we'll, and Gary Drayton is here. We see Gary Drayton here metal detecting, and he finds another ox shoe. Um, and then a really rather hefty iron spike. Now, that looked kind of cool, and it was kind of deep. Later, they take it to blacksmithing expert Carmen Legg, who calls it a rock spike, meaning you would drive this into a big boulder and use it to tie up something really heavy. <laughs> and in this area of the world, we're talking about like a ship, right, or or something like that. So if you use it to tie up a um, ship, what you're doing is you're sort of anchoring it to the land, and therefore, you can use it to pull the ship even closer to shore and maybe careen the ship to clean the bottom if that's something you need to do. Um, if that's and, and in this area, something like this would certainly come in very handy. It's an interesting find, uh, especially since it wasn't right on the surface, right? It was a few feet underground. But that's all for Lot 32. Uh, not much more there, and there's no way really to know who or why it was put there. Um, let's go now over to the swamp. Action over at the swamp kind of begins with uh, more digging by Billy Gerhardt as he's really, really tearing up this little corner here and just kind of dumping wood. And the weird thing about it is he's bringing up these big buckets of dirt and then we're hoping that he spots something in those buckets because it doesn't seem like anybody's sifting through them as they come down. Now, maybe they will later. Uh, Maybe there's a spoils work being done. The other thing about it is that it seems like the only thing being done here is metal detecting. But if we're looking for wood and evidence of a ship, why a metal detector doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Anyway, be that as it may, again, I'm sure we're only getting some of this here. Um, Gary Drayton is there with uh, Rick and Marty's nephew, David Fernetti, who seems to have just returned to the island for the summer. Gary finds a really big stick, which my dog would absolutely love, right? He then also finds a piece of modern rebar, and and I think this brings up something we were mentioning before, this idea of finding a lot of things that we don't hear about. Uh, my guess is they would find a lot more of this type of thing uh, that we don't get to see, but it's funny how this one kind of made it into the show. Anyway, later they pull out another flat piece of wood, which they found a bunch of these before, um, a possible... Piece of decking, uh, maybe even a wharf planking, which makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, the episode ends with a war room meeting with Rick not there but on a video call. Um, don't remember why that was, but he did say. Um, and Craig Tester, who is the carbon dating guy, has his C14 test results, and from what I assume was this piece of wood they found earlier in the episode. And the results come back with a range of 1516 to 1674. Now, that turns us into a big discussion about the time frame of finds, and this is something we always talk about, right? We have to sort of narrow down the time frame. We're hoping the finds that they're getting here, we, we have to be able to sort through these things to see what applies to a mystery and what doesn't because we need to get the time frame into a certain area in order to really start to piece this stuff together. And now, according to Rick, he says they seem to be zeroing in on the early to mid-1600s. But interestingly... Marty then later says that the time frame now is 1650 to 1750. And these are two very different things, and I think we need to just discuss that for a second. The first settlements, if my Canadian history is correct, and I'm American, so be, take it with a grain of salt, but the, uh, the first European, permanent European settlements, I think were right around the start of the 17th century, right around 1605. Um, So for the time frame Rick is talking about, there were really not many European settlers at all and not a whole lot of activity at that early 1600s. But by 1640, we started to get conflict. We started to get more coming and we started to get multiple kingdoms, right? European countries laying claim to areas and some wars and conflicts fought over control of Nova Scotia even Civil War in 1640, Um, to find military activity before 1640 would be rare and something worth looking into. But after that time, uh, it really wouldn't be. I mean, probably it, it would probably be something you'd expect to find. Someone, believe me, if you go through your history of Nova Scotia, someone was fighting someone else in Nova Scotia, really, for the next 150 years after 1640, pretty close to that. Anyway, I thought this was kind of an interesting point to make. Finding something unusual in 1600 is, to me, a lot more, is a lot different than finding something unusual from 1700. In the history of Canada, in the history of the Canadian Maritimes, though that area was a very, very different place at the start of that 100-year span than it was at the end of it, and I think that needs to apply to the time frame we're talking about. All right, so let's talk about the money pit. The episode opens with a war room meeting, where the team have gathered for a video call with geophysicist Jeremy Church. This is the guy um, who was charged with analyzing the data taken from the seismic scanning done back in season six. I think, um, if you don't remember, um, this was where they found the SS Maddie Blake, where they found the potential for a uh, anomaly in the swamp um, that they keep referencing. Even though the very next episode started the following season, they drilled, uh, put a barge out into the swamp, drilled into it and found out the anomaly was just sand. Um, but he was the guy who analyzed the the data from the seismic scanning. Now, if you didn't watch back then, seismic scanning is done by you put these little sensors in the ground and then a, uh, you explode little pieces of dynamite sticks and then you use these sensors to read information about the underground from the vibrations caused by these explosions, and you do them in these grids. And they basically did it across much of the island. Um, now it seems Church has some new technology he's employed to look at this couple of year old information in sort of a new way. Uh, but honestly, none of that was really explained very well what the technology was, so I can't really say what this what this really means or why it took years to come up with what we are about to see. But be that as it may, this is what his presentation is. Church says they're seeing evidence of a tunnel running pretty much east to west along the northern side of the Money Pit area. He says the tunnel is about 100 feet deep. Um, and on its western end, there is some very square looking feature that church says is about 12 by 12. And of course, we all start talking about the possibility of a treasure halt, a treasure vault. Um, and in my mind, I was made me think if that's a treasure vault, 12 feet is pretty high to build a treasure vault. Uh, but be that as it may, the tunnel begins on the eastern side of the money pit, right on the opposite side of this vault at something called shaft 12. Now the show explains this a bit, but not really very well. So let me just say a few things about it here. Shaft 12 was not some random shaft dug to find treasure, or as they say, um, to find to, to hut off, cut off the the flooding in the money pit, the flood tunnels. It wasn't. It wasn't one of the many shafts built to sort of tunnel across and intercept the money pit. It was sunk right in the location of what is called the cave-in pit. So what is that? Now, a treasure hunting group called the Halifax Company left the island in 1867, and from then until the mid-1890s, Oak Island really saw very little treasure hunting activity, if any at all. There actually were a couple of significant events in the history of Oak Island, which did occur during these 25 years. After the Halifax Company left the island, the landowner, Anthony Graves, and his family pretty much used the land on the east side of the island for farming really kind of bringing it back to what it was before 1795. And among his family members living on the island with him during this period was his daughter, Sophia, and her husband, Henry Sellers. On a faithful day in 1875, Sophia was working on the farm, plowing with a team of oxen. And as she steered her plow across the land between the money pit and Smith's Cove, the ground suddenly opened up under them and swallowed up Sophia and her oxen as they fell down about 10 feet into a chasm like a sinkhole. This new pit would be called the cave in pit. Now, the sellers and her oxen were apparently all recovered safely from the pit, although I would imagine probably shaken up, and I can't imagine those oxen were uh, <laughs> ready to walk around there much uh, over the next few days. Anyway, now later hunters would later, later treasure hunters, excuse me, would establish that the cave pit sits about 350 feet east of the money pit on a direct line between where they think the box drains begin at Smith's Cove and wherever this money pit vault was. Now, where this is back in the day where we have an idea of a vault and where the money pit is. So this is what leads the narration to say they dug Shaft 12 for the purpose of shutting off the booby trap flood system. But as far as I know, that's not exactly correct. They were really digging there to explore the reasons behind the cave-in pit. Could it be... That underneath here were, um, was the flood tunnel box drains? we would be able to find it. Had they collapsed? Could it be that they were actually looking at another chamber? What could have caused this? What could have collapsed underneath their feet? Um, So they dug around here, but the whole thing failed at 55 feet as it flooded. Now, hopeful theorists like to think that the cave in pit was formed directly as a result of the flood tunnel system collapsing, but we don't really know that for sure. We do know there was a number of largely undocumented tunnels dug by the Halifax Company towards the end of their time on the island, and some believe that those tunnels were right around this area. In fact, in the 1960s, treasure hunter Robert Dunfield found a searcher tunnel dug right in this area, and he concluded it must have been from the Halifax Company. So could that tunnel have been the cause of the cave in pit? Seems a reasonable theory to me. So far, no one has established anything concrete on the subject. Now, the show makes us think we know everything there is to know about who did what in this area uh, and when. But as Dunfield proved, we really don't. Now, the team says earlier in the meeting that they're using this information that church is showing them to decide where they're going to drop these huge cans coming later on in the year. But predictably... They can't wait that long. So we soon see them drilling a hole called AB 13, which again, I believe they tell us is right down the middle of what was shaft 12, the cave pit. Now, before we start talking about what happens, Terry Matheson said something that kind of blew me away here. Someone asks him where the anomaly, this possible tunnel. Um, now they start talking about tunnels here, right? So, so we know what this is, right? We know that they're shooting for down the, Shaft 12 to find the beginning of this tunnel, and Rick starts talking about walking through the tunnel if it's there, right? At what depth was this supposed to be found? And he answers that the target is about 95 feet, but then says something incredible. He says something like plus or minus 20 feet, you know, seismic data, indicating that the seismic data could be off as much as 20 feet in either direction. (laughs) What? This would have been a really good thing to explain, right? To let us know why that might be and how accurate this information is. But alas, that's all we get. This little side comment from Terry Matheson. They dig down to to about 65 feet and the drill drops down as if it had passed through a void. And then it starts spewing water out the top of the drill. The guy's first concern is that they've hit a, a pocket of natural gas which I presume when depressurized by the drill would then push the water up. Although again, I don't know. It turns out not to be gas. And now everyone starts talking about this like it all is all very, very weird. But I just wasn't so sure about that. I just didn't, right from the off, I didn't know if this really was all that unusual. We know there's water down there. We know that from the work done and documented in Shaft 12. We know that there might be a tunnel down there. We know that there might be tunnels that we don't know about. That Dunfield mentioned down there. We know the area is unstable anyway, right? We know there's been some searching done here. Like I said, we th- we, <laughs> we think there's a tunnel off shaft twelve. We think not only from the information Church is giving us, but also from from um, what Dunfield says. They also mention this possible tunnel very briefly, so they know there's a void there. Either way. As I always say, I'm a podcaster, so what do I know about this stuff? So I contacted geologist Gordon Fader. He's a friend of the show, co-author of Oak Island Mystery Solved. Um, If you didn't know, he's the guy working on the theory that the money pit is, in fact, just a sinkhole, and there's other um, fascinating, clandestine, historical stuff that's involved in Oak Island, but that the money pit itself is really part of just a natural geological formation. So I thought he was kind of the guy to ask, and here is what he said. The water coming out is very common and natural. There is a freshwater lens in the island and then all the salt water in the channels and pits at depth. It can easily get pressured from rain, tides, storm surges. Remember when Dan Blankenship almost got crushed in the caisson at 10x? Well, it took immense pressure to do that. It all confirms that the sinkholes are active on the island and the land is moving and alive. Note the image I posted below, which I'll put for you on Facebook. It is a buried surface and shows all those sinkholes. Most have not reached the surface yet, but there are no tunnels or shafts on it. Feel free to ask me any more questions. Cheers, Gordon. Thank you so much, Gordon, for, uh, for writing that in and helping clear that up a bit. I did sort of feel from looking at this that it didn't seem all that unusual. You know there's a lot of water down there. It's not out of the realm of possibility. That gets a little pressurized from all the other work going down, and then it spews up. Um, Hey, for all I know, it could be something mysterious. We will find out, but, uh, the, I wish they would give us all the natural explanations as well. Right. I I mean, I don't think that's too much to ask, but having said all that, a lot of the guys who are the experts here are calling this man-made. I mean, Craig seems very confident in that. Um, he's puzzled by the shallowness of the depth, which this water is coming out, um, the guy, Brennan McMahon from Choice Drilling, he seems to be pretty confident that this is something man-made they're hitting. Terry says at one point, we know there one thing's for sure, there's a cavity, right? That's a little less confident in the man-made part, but at least we know there's something there. What I think is that what we could be seeing could be connected to the construction of Shaft 12. We don't know that yet. What I do know is we're obviously going to drop a can here <laughs> to try to figure out what this is. And, uh, you know, it's a long time coming. The cave and pit is a feature that's been part of um, the Oak Island mystery for 125 years. And maybe it is time to start digging around there. But what I do know from from the history of the cave and pit is if they decide to go in that direction, it ain't going to be easy. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Diggin' Oak Island podcast. Shameless plug time. Don't forget, every Wednesday I'm on the air as a DJ on WDVR-FM from 2 to 5 p.m. on Wednesdays. Uh, The first two hours is a show called The Bourbon Street Bistro, where I play the music of New Orleans, sort of my new musical passion. And then from 4 to 5 p.m., I host a show called Island Vibes, uh, where I play music with sort of a tropical feel to a little trop rock, a little reggae, that kind of thing. You can listen by, uh, if you're in the eastern uh, Pennsylvania, West Jersey area, going to 89.7 FM. Or um, if you're out of that area or you just prefer to listen online, you can go to wdvrfm.org. You can also use the TuneIn app or you can just tell Alexa to turn on WDVR. Uh, also, um, if you're enjoying our little digging Oak Island podcast, I ask you to please give us a five star rating on Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to everybody who's done that already. I really do appreciate it. It helps to get the word out on the show somehow, some kind of Apple robot thing. Um, and also don't forget, uh, if you really are enjoying the show and you want to keep us going here, you can become a patron. Uh, if you think the show is worth five bucks a month for you, then head over to patreon.com slash Oak Island, and you can learn more. Uh, Again, if you have any questions or comments that you want to send directly to me, you can do so via email, digginoakisland at gmail.com. You can also do so by going to either of our uh, social media sites, Facebook or Twitter. Just put in at digginoakisland and you can direct message me there. Um, Keep in mind, if you do send me a message or an email, I'm probably going to answer it here on a podcast unless you really tell me on there that you don't want it answered. I may actually try to convince you otherwise because it's just so much easier for me to do it here, especially... If you're writing a compelling question that I think, you know, brings up some good points for everybody. So until we speak again, I'm Dave McBride. Thank you for listening to Digging Oak Island.